Do you feel like motherhood is mundane? A lot of mornings you wake up feeling like you lack joy or purpose. Do you also want to invite God into your mom life, your marriage, and your life in general, but you just don't know how? Do you feel tired, like you have no time, and you're always putting yourself last? Hi, I am Jill Warball a Christian mom life coach, and I'll be showing you each episode how to make time for you, your relationship with Jesus, and others. I'll teach you how to grow with God and apply his word to your everyday life. And most importantly, I'll be cheering you on each week, reminding you that you do have purpose and that you are worthy of a great future. You can find satisfaction in motherhood. I'm going to show you that you can live intentionally with less stress, more joy, all while serving God and others. So grab your Bible and get ready to be transformed. This is the Faithful Mama Podcast, a place where we learn to fill up on Jesus so that we can pour into others. Listen in. Hey, Jill. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here. I cannot wait to chat with you. (laughs) I'm so excited. So um, I just was telling Christy that like, I'm on this new journey. And um, uh, well, how about this? Christy, tell them who you are first. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, all you beautiful moms out there. I'm Christy. Um, I am a double certified sobriety coach. I actually live in London, England, although you probably don't hear any sort of accent because I grew up in Los Angeles, (laughs) Um, but I've been in England for the past 15 years. I have two kiddos who are, I have a brand brand new teenager, she's 13, yikes, and um, my son is 11, Um, and I help moms who want to take a break from drinking. So yeah, nothing that I would ever, ever in a million years think that I would do. But um, it is just the most incredible blessing and purpose, and I love it. That's so awesome. So I was telling Christy that the way I kind of stumbled upon her was after uh, my 40th birthday and just really getting into my health, I was like, I think I might want to stop drinking. And I was scrolling through different podcasts just to hear people's different takes on it. And I couldn't help but stop on her podcast because of like just the name of it. So why don't you tell them the name of the podcast? (laughs) Yeah. So the name of the podcast is But Jesus Drank Wine and Other Stories That Kept Us Stuck. And um, I co-host it with another um, alcohol-free life coach. And we're both like we're both Christian women and we both love to help moms kind of break free from alcohol. And so when we were thinking about the title, I was just like, what is one of the beliefs or, you know, assumptions as a Christian that I made over and over again to justify, you know, how much I was drinking or drinking. And um, it was that one. It was, well, Jesus drank wine, right? Jesus turned water into wine. And we had both heard that both from ladies at church and in Bible studies and stuff. And so 
it's obviously, you know, we're, I'm super big on grace and compassion, and I'm sure we'll talk about that today. So it's not from a judgmental point at all, right? It's just of like, oh, that's something I've said. And so let's figure out if like, that's really true or not, right? And like, if, right. if that's, if that's supporting kind of these decisions that we're, we're making. Right. So why don't you tell them kind of how you got here? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like pretty much any other, you know, red-blooded American (laughs) teenager, girl, whatever I started, um, I had my first sip of alcohol in high school. Um, I didn't love the taste. I remember my best friend and I, her mom was out of town and we tried tequila and like, I guess we went pretty hardcore to (laughs) to start with. Um, but obviously it was disgusting. We were both sick. It was like not a pleasant experience. Right. Um, and so I never really got, um, deep into drinking in high school or really even like in college to the point where I would say it was like a really big issue. Um, I went to university of Southern California, USC, and I was in a sorority and all of that stuff. And like, don't get me wrong. I did my fair share of drinking in college, but it was, um, I was always really scared to be out of control yeah, and not, and not, you know, have my wits about me and as a, a planner and as a control freak, I was just like, not, I was not getting blackout, you know, ever, um, in college. I was the, I was the friend that would hold your ponytail back while you vomited. Right. <laughs> I was, the, I was the friend that made sure you got home safe and probably the first one to leave if I could the party, um, because of all those reasons. Um, and then I, after college, I went on to law school. I went to law school at Pepperdine and, I definitely saw like the first kind of uptick in my drinking to deal with the stress of being in law school. And um, at the same time as studying, I also met my now husband. I met him on the first day of law school. (laughs) And so it ended up being a really big part of like our dating and our, you know, like our love story. We would go to Napa and we would go on dates and drink lots of wine. We became really like big wine snobs. (laughs) and um, loved drinking wine, started collecting wine. Um, And we went abroad to London during law school. I had also kind of done a a year or a semester there during college. And so I was familiar with it. But then again, we landed overseas um, to spend some time there. And the British drinking culture (laughs) is next level, right? So we're there as students. And everything you do revolves around the pub. Like you study in the pub, you eat at the pub, you make friends at the pub, like you do all the things drinking. Okay. Um, and so there was definitely this, again, I saw this kind of like looking at, you know, looking at now, like this uptick of like, first of all, wanting to be really sophisticated because I was abroad, right? And then also just, it's so ingrained in the culture there. Um so we came, we came back to California. We graduated law school. Um, he gets a job in London from an internship that turned into a job. And so we said, let's go on a two-year adventure. Like we told all of our families, we're going to go on a two-year adventure. Chris is going to work there. I wound up getting a job actually in Parliament, which was so fun. But there are also multiple bars in Parliament. So like the equivalent of our Capitol building or, you know, the White House, there's multiple bars and drinking would start like on the nose at like 501. Um, it's just such a big part of the culture over there. Um, and, and here, 
It's yeah, and, and here, and here, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it's so funny, right? Because when I talk to clients, that's always seems to be one of the very first things that that comes out in like the first kind of discovery call is, I live in Dallas. It's the biggest drinking city in the world, or I live in New York City, or I live in Miami, or wherever it is. You know, like it is. You're right. Like it, it's so ingrained in our in our culture, and that's why we have such a, you know, an issue with figuring out how to if we can live without it. Um, but so then, so we're in London and I get pregnant with Ella, the now 13 year old. And, um, as I'm alone, like in a foreign country, no family, I didn't know anybody that had kids yet. I didn't have any friends that had kids yet. Um, so I joined all these like mommy groups, um, and it centered around again, (laughs) shocker wine, right? Because at that point, the alcohol took on this different job. It took on this job of like being the reward for being like a mom all day and as a coping mechanism to rest and relax. And, and just like, again, as I look back over like how everything escalated, I can just see how I gave it different jobs and was drinking for different reasons. Um, Two years later, my son Carter was born. He was premature and I had really bad postpartum. And so then it was like, you know, the drinking to cope as a mom, like just took a a different turn where it was like, I was sad. I felt alone. I felt like I couldn't talk about it um, because, I mean, I think we're getting better about this now, but a lot, you know, you just, you didn't talk about it. You were, you're, you have a healthy baby, like be be happy, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it definitely took um, an uptick then. It's so funny that we're having this conversation. I was scrolling through old photos yesterday with my best friend here in California. And we found all these photos of like that I had taken with um, massive glasses of wine and the baby monitors. And I was like, oh, gosh, oh that's, gosh. A, that's like they're down for a nap. Right. So here's the two baby monitors while while I sit here and, and do my rest, right. right? Which is a massive glass of Sauvignon Blanc, like, right. <laughs> which is now looking back is obviously not the answer. Right. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but then um, after, after having Carter and kind of having that again, additional uptick in drinking, my mom passed away in 2018 right. and it was a, it was a huge, huge shock and, um, horrible, horrible situation because long story short, growing up, she had never had a drink ever in my whole life. She started drinking when I had become an adult and it literally changed her personality and it changed our relationship. And when she passed away, like we were not in a great spot um, because she would just drink and say crazy things that I knew, you know, I now know she didn't mean. And I now know doing the work that I do, you know, um, when that's your only coping mechanism, it's hard to to do anything else, and it's ha- it's hard to see another way. And and yeah. so the the grief was like double sided, right? It was like I was sad because I lost my mom, my childhood best friend, who I would talk to multiple times a day. But then I blamed her for basically spending, you know, the last part of her life, you know, inebriated and not not in a place where, you know, she could spend more time with my kids and all these things. It was just horrible. It was like really hard to process. And so guess what I did? (laughs) Drank more. more. (laughs) Yeah. So, so it was like literally two years of just numbing, 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 numbing. Um, 
I'll never forget. I had an, uh, another mom friend who lost her mother. And she said to me, um, look, just give it a year and just do whatever you need to do. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to party, right. <laughs> you know? And so I didn't want to be with the kids. I wanted to be with friends. I wanted to be drinking all the time. And the funny thing about this is, is that when I tell the story now, it like sounds like I was drinking a ton, but it didn't look any different like to anybody that was around me. Right. It was like, it was lunches. It was beautiful lunches with Rose. And then, you know, like maybe the lunch would go longer and then I'd come home and I'd have, you know, one or two other glasses after lunch or had everybody over for a beautiful dinner party and we'd all, you know, drink too much. It wasn't like, it wasn't, I don't know, you know, it, it looked, it looked nice and it looked normal and it looked like no, you know, nobody had said I had a problem. No one, my husband, nobody, nobody right. said like, Oh, maybe. Yeah. Look like this sloppy, like bad. Right. Everybody did that. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And when you went, of course, like, you know, social media plays such a huge role here because you post the glossy picture looking pretty out on a night out with girlfriends. But, you know, we know where that goes and what that looks like afterwards. We just choose to ignore it. And so it was two years to the day, literally, that my mom died. I was in bed. I had a hangover. Again, it was literally from taking the kids out to a birthday lunch. And then everyone came over for a couple bottles of wine after, like, you know, families. Um, And I just felt exhausted. You know, I had disconnected from God. I hadn't been praying. Um, We hadn't been going to church because Sunday mornings were hard with kids and always being slightly hungover. And um, I just, that day like hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it's been two years since my mom passed away. I looked at my phone and it like didn't look like I was sad. It looked like everything was great. You know, I was, um, I had like a, a blog with a small following and Sky News ended up like asking me to commentate on the Harry and Meghan's royal wedding. Yeah. Um, and then they kept like asking me back. So I had all these, you know, pictures and videos of me doing that and all this stuff. And it felt so inauthentic, you know, yeah. because I, I knew how I was like truly feeling in my heart and I was feeling broken, sad, alone, all of those things. Yeah. But with no with no other coping mechanism or way to deal other than drinking. Yeah. Um. And so I just like prayed this prayer in, in, into the, in the bathroom mirror, you know, and I was just like, Jesus, I cannot do this anymore. I can't do it. Like, yeah. I just, I, I don't, I don't know what to do, but I know that like I, the first step of whatever our, what feeling better, the first step to feeling better has to be just like at least taking a break from alcohol. Right. I- um, and so I talked to my, my husband, I was just like, listen, can you, can we take a break? And just not drink in the house for a little bit. And he was like, of course, whatever you need. And then the UK went into lockdown. (laughs) And so there was no place to go. There was no one to see. There was no parties to attend. And so I was able to then like really focus on this. And that's when I got, you know, like how you were like saying you were diving into all the podcasts and stuff. I like totally geeked out over any quitlet I could read. I got really into the science of how alcohol was affecting my brain, my body, my sleep, my health. Um, and then as I was doing all this learning, I was feeling so much better. Yeah, I was sleeping and I was, my joy came back online because my dopamine, you know, levels regulated. 
And things weren't so stressful anymore because I didn't have spiked adrenaline and cortisol from the alcohol. And I started like really enjoying my children and like wanting to be around them and wanting to be with the family. And like, this is all when we're literally locked down. And in the UK, we could only leave our houses for one walk a day. So it was bananas over there. Yeah. Um, and so, but to me, it was just like, oh my gosh, I, this is exactly what I needed. It's just to be home, be quiet, be in the word, be, yeah. be doing all this stuff. And then, so long story short, I wound up applying to be a coach with um, Annie Grace over at the Naked Mind. Um, her book is amazing. And yeah, so I've been doing this since for the last couple of years. And I absolutely just love it. I just love meeting women and helping them and, and hearing their stories. And, and the amazing thing, right, is that like, as like we were talking about before we hit record, like our, our stories as moms and as women, like when it comes to alcohol are so similar. Yeah. Because we do like drink for similar reasons. Right. Um, and so this is what I do with clients is just figure out if like, is that really, is it really true, right? If you're drinking for rest, like, do you really feel rested? If you're drinking to cope, like, is it really helping you deal with those things that you need to process and go through? Um, and so it's, yeah, God just turned my mess into my message, you know, cheesy, but true. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of the story in the nutshell of how I got here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, before we hit record, I was just sharing with Christy that like, you know, uh, I just started to like realize on my 40th birthday trip, like I'm not sleeping and this is supposed to be a yeah. real trip and like I'm sweating and I was like also get, getting really into my health and like gut health and things like mm -hmm. that. And like, so I just want you to kind of share with them. I listened to one of your podcasts and you were kind of talking about how like the, the truth versus like the way like the world like looks at it. Like we yeah. get a glass of wine and the way it's portrayed on TV and it's like, it looks shiny and glamorous in the glass and, you know, sharing bottles at dinner or outside yeah. somewhere beautiful. But then we, what we need to really do is like, that's not like, like the, our perspective, if we really tell ourselves the truth, right. And, and the Lord yeah. says to tell ourselves the truth, like focus right. On the truth, right. Like it's not glamorous. It's literally like ethanol. It's what we put in our gas tank and yeah our sleep and our health and our mental health and our, our relationships. Like, and that for me is like the biggest thing is like, I want to have the best relationship with my husband and the best yeah. relationship with my kids. And I want to literally be the best version of myself for the Lord. Like that's why I'm here. And God had put it on my heart. Like you are not the best that you can be when you yeah. drink. Yeah. Um, I love so that. Yeah. So if you would, I don't know so much of the science, if you would kind of just give it like in a nutshell, like what it yeah. actually does to our bodies. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will go through two of the, two of the big ones that really like, I was like, oh my gosh, this, and again, like you can read it, but when you feel it, it's like, holy cow. Yeah. So one of the big things is that when you drink, you get a, um, you get a dopamine spike, right? This is where your shoulders come out of your ears. You feel more relaxed and, and that feeling that we all drink for um, is because of this chemical reaction in our brains, a, a spike in dopamine. 
Um, the crazy thing is, is that that spike only lasts like 20 to 30 minutes before we'll, that we're then flooded with um, another hormone called dynorphin. And this is why, you know, I love God because he made our brains and our bodies so complex and amazing. But the point is, is that it, it, you know, when we have a huge dopamine spike, our body's like, hey, I need to bring you back down. Like we have to be regulated here. Like let's try to get us back to homeostasis. And so the dynorphin brings us down. It's a downer. It's like a sedative. Um, and, and that is why you crave the second glass because you right. want that dopamine spike again. Right. However, the more you drink, the more dynorphin takes over. And so you never actually get that same feeling that you get in the first glass of wine, the first 20 minutes, you don't get it ever again. And what happens is, is that when you're a regular drinker, your body begins just producing more and more dynorphin. And so what happens is the only thing that can make, ends up making you happy, and this is what happened to me, is that 20 minute buzz from a glass of wine. Because right. your body is constantly being flooded with this sedative, with this downer. And I remember learning this and just thinking, oh my gosh, this is why like Ella's dance recitals, like don't make, make me joyful anymore. This is why I don't want to do anything with my kid. Like it's not joyful because I'm literally being like pumped full of this like downer. Right. Um, and so when that cleared, when that cleared my system and my joy came back online, and again, I was literally in the middle of like COVID lockdown. Right. <laughs> you know, it was like the most stressful time in the whole world for so many people. Yeah, so many people. And I was, I was just like, yeah. I was like walking through the park, like the sun was shining. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Right. Um, and then it just got better, you know? Yeah. And then I was just like, oh my gosh, why would I ever hijack my joy? You know, why would I do that? Why right. would I do that? Right. And then- the second science bomb that really hit me was, you know, as so many people do, myself included, like drinking to relieve stress and anxiety, again, for that like 20, 30 minutes of relief, um, actually spikes your adrenaline and cortisol. So this is why we can't sleep because we get this massive like adrenaline like smack when we're trying to regulate it like three in the morning. But that um, those inflated levels like stay high for seven to 10 days after we've even had one or two glasses. So long story short, if you're drinking to relax, like you're literally just drinking to take the edge off that alcohol because it's making you more stressful. Like it's yeah. making you stressed out. For and I was like, days. oh my, yes. And this is like, yeah. And this is the, like, what, when I tell, when I work with clients and talk about this, they're like, oh my gosh, really? And I'm like, yeah, but you got to experience it. You have to try it and you'll see. It's true. Like all the things that we thought or were really, really hard, like doing a load of laundry or sending that email to your boss, like feels really overwhelming and stressful. And the second you regulate your adrenaline and cortisol, it's just, it's just not that hard. <laughs> You know, I remember listening to one of your episodes while I was on the treadmill and you were talking about because um, I'm going on vacation and a lot of us are this summer, right? Like, yeah, saying how you would get to your kids to the airport and your, you know, your husband and you would get finally get there and you would reward yourself with a glass of wine. But then once you got to your destination, you were just exhausted and you would miss mm -hmm. like a whole day of your vacation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> literally just like de-stress in the airport where yeah and yeah like that really hit me because I'm like we think that we're de-stressing mm -hmm. 
this, you know, wine in the airport or, you know, once we get to or where we're going and then we lose out on the actual thing that we're do like going to do. And it's like, why, why on earth did I ever think that that was a good idea? You know, yeah. and, yeah. and you're missing out. You miss like a whole day with your family. I remember you saying because of just rewarding yourself in the airport with wine. And I'm like, all of us probably at some point have done that. Yeah. But I want to respond really quick to something you said there. Cause it's so good. Is like, why would we do this? And it's like, well, we do this because this is all we know. Right. And we do this because we have years and years and years of subconscious conditioning that's happened since we were children about the different things that we think alcohol can help us with. And this isn't our fault, right? It's like, it's just observing how our parents drank or our friends drank every single TV show or movie or Instagram or everything like tells us that we should be drinking for these reasons. Right. And so, and so it's just about sitting and like actually getting really, really curious and asking yourself, is this all real or true? And the amazing thing about being Christian women doing this work is that we do have the truth, right? We get, we get to hold it in our hands and see like what the Bible says about, about all of this. And so yeah. it's just, it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's so true. <laughs> it's so true. Um, so I wanted to also touch on like the stigma around like, if you decide today, like, I don't want to drink anymore, but like all of a sudden everybody's going to be like, what are you an alcoholic? Like, do you need a AA? Like, because that's what people think. If you don't drink, then you've gone to AA and you had an alcohol problem. But like, I want you to give that message that you can quit without having a problem. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I'll never forget. I was like in line um, to enter, you know, enter school at pickup one day. And it was like, I had gotten really vocal about what I was doing on Instagram and a school mom said to me, oh my gosh, I didn't know you were an alcoholic. And I was like, wait, what? No, I'm not. Right. <laughs> you know, but the point is, the point is, is that that's another thing that we've been conditioned to believe in our life is that you're either a normal drinker that can take or leave in a highly addictive substance that is like designed to get us hooked. Or you're this, you're this person with the disease that's going to be going to meetings for the rest of your life. And you have to use this label in order to find some sort of like freedom and healing. And so I didn't, I, that like, and this is, this is why I have a coaching practice, right? A lot of women can't relate to that because they know that alcohol is not highest and best for them, but they don't, they don't feel like they are, you know, they, they should have to use a label that is so stigmatized. And so thankfully, like we're coming into more of a day and age where this can be a wellness conversation, right? Like just dr not drinking because you want to feel better and because of your health and because you want to sleep better. Um, and so, yeah, you don't have to use a label. If the label works for you, work it. Like, you know, it's helped. AA has helped millions of people. Um, but there are other options. And the other options can be about compassion and grace and getting curious and, um, and, you know, not white knuckling and, and just trying your very, very hardest not to drink and feeling deprived and miserable for the rest of your life. You know, that's kind of what that looked like to me from as an outsider. And, and it's not like that, you know, it's, it's if you can see the good in this and what a not drinking can bring you, which is like rest and peace and freedom and joy. Um, it can be one of like the best decisions that you've ever made. And so it's not this negative stigmatized thing it's it can wind up being like the biggest blessing you know right and and like 
if people are like, oh, why aren't you drinking? Like, I, I'm like, I want to know, like, my reasons, right? And it's like, yeah. saying to you, like, I love my mornings. Like, I want to be healthy. Like, I want to be the best version of myself that, you know, the woman that God created me to be. And yeah. wrong with saying that. So like, when you work with clients, like, do you give them tips on how to say, I'm not drinking anymore? To- yeah, okay. when, yeah. Because I think that's probably the hardest thing once you get into that, like, social setting. That's probably the hardest part, I would think, for most people. It's like, how do I say that? How- I feel kind-, kind of like an oddball. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and this is the thing, too. Like, when I made this decision, again, it was never to not drink forever in the beginning. In the beginning, it was just like, I want to go on a break and see if I can feel better. And the, my, that was my main hang up right there. You like verbally you put it so beautifully is like, what is everybody else going to think? And what are they going to say? And am I going to have any friends left? You know, yeah. like I remember standing in the shower, literally listing every girlfriend, like by name in my head thinking, okay, I think that one, that, that relationship will be okay. This next one, I don't know if I'll see her again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and so it, it definitely kept me stuck, but I will say that it just, it's one of these things where. Practice makes perfect. And that sounds so cheesy, but it's true of just going out. And I, I work with clients where we start small, right? Like I say, go out with like a trusted best friend to a restaurant and just order a mocktail, see how it goes. Feel curious about it. Does it feel weird? Like, what did it feel like ordering? Like, you know, and the thing is, is that it just gets easier over time. And when you get to a place where you feel so good that you're like, I don't want to drink again because I know how it makes me feel then you step into this like confidence about saying it, you know, like I was um, like a mess in the beginning. The first barbecue I went to, I told everybody it was ethanol and they were going to get cancer. (laughs) 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 Like literally. And everyone's like, you're never invited back here. Right. Um, But then as I went on, I was like, you know, and then you just step into this client confidence. And I think for me, realigning myself with Jesus and getting back in the word. I just had this like confidence that grew over time. And now I'm just like, I don't want to drink because I know how it makes me feel, you know? And so you just get to a point where that's, that's the answer. Yeah. And, and when you get that confidence, you don't also have as much pushback, right? Because people can see that you're, you feel good about your decision. And so it just, yeah, it just takes practice. And I always say the first 15 minutes, the first 15 minutes of any, any dinner or any party, the first few times you did like do it are going to be really weird and you're going to feel awkward. But like after those 15 minutes are passed and everyone's drinking, it, it passes and you can, it gets easier and easier each time you do it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I remember one of the tips that you gave um, in one of the episodes, I listened to a lot of them like <laughs> on the treadmill, but I, I'm so glad <laughs> But I remember one you said, like, when you go on vacation, um, I probably listened to that one the most recent because I'm leaving on Friday. But (laughs) yeah, but you said, like, to notice, like, when you go on vacation to like, actually write down, like, notice what you're gaining, like, and not just on vacation, but in life. Like, if you if I was drinking right now, would I notice the birds flying over the ocean? Would I the sun sparkling on the water, what I notice my kids like giggling and playing in the sand or, you know, whatever it is, but even in, even like in life in general, not just if you're going on vacation, but if you stop doing this, mm-hmm. um, if you get curious about this and you stop drinking, like, 
I thought that was such a great tip. Like I went out last night for the first time with a couple and my husband and I was like, notice on this date, like what you're gaining by not drinking when the other couple is. And, you know, I got to come home and I got to talk to my babies and I got to put them to bed and I got to wake up feeling good this morning and I got good sleep, you know, and all those things that, you know, I'm gaining by not drinking on a double date or whatever. Although you notice the things that are hard, like that was awkward. Like, yeah. I'm not drinking, but there were so many benefits that outweighed that one little thing. Right. Yeah. Um, I love that. That's so good. Are there any, are there any other tips like that that are like really, cause I think that was such a huge tip for me was notice what you're gaining. Do you have any other like, yeah. Like yeah. that. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I love that so much. And like you hit the nail on the head because I think one of the things that drinking does um, the most to warp us into believing that we need it is that it just totally destroys our perspective, right? Um, Because when you're you're ordering the glass, you don't think about how you're going to sleep that night or how you're going to feel the next morning. You you completely disregard your future self and your future well-being. Right. For the sake of, of just not either not feeling awkward in the moment or because you do want that, you know, dopamine smack to your head. <laughs> right. Um, but I mean, I have I have lots of things. One is just like give yourself so much grace and compassion and step into curiosity. Like this doesn't have to be a horrible experience where you white knuckle your way and prove to yourself that you don't have a problem. This can just be like ask yourself before you go to pour the drink, ask yourself like, why? Like, what is the job that you're giving that glass of wine or whatever you're pouring for yourself? You know, like, is it to rest? Is it to cope? Is it for grief? Is it because you want to have fun? Is it because you want to connect? Um, and then get really curious about like, you know, if, if you did have the glass, like, did that happen? Do you feel wet rested? Do you feel connected? Do you feel all the things? Um, good. Yeah, because when you slowly pick all these things apart, I mean, like there wasn't a reason for me that was left standing, right? Because none of them ended up being true for me. And so it's just about, I want, everybody has to go through that their own journey to figure out like if those reasons, those beliefs, because they're, they're so they're so strongly held by all that subconscious conditioning we talked about, right? Um, and so, yeah, just get really curious and give yourself grace and compassion to just figure out why and if, and if it's really true or not, like, is it doing, is it doing the thing you're drinking it for? Yeah, that was so good. So true. So curiosity, what's the, yeah. say like, what's the job I'm giving this glass? And then after, did it give me that? Did it fulfill that job? Yeah. That's yeah. So, that's so good. Um, yeah. So um, what is, I guess, if, if there's um, one, there's something we haven't covered. <laughs> yeah, is, is there anything we haven't covered? But I'm sure that we could talk about this for a long time. Totally. I love the conversation because I was telling Christy that like I stopped. I went for my birthday June first through the fourth, so it'll be two months um, coming up. But like, oh, uh, the other thing that I wanted to say about about going on the double date last night and not drinking was that awkwardness. Mm-hmm. It was awkward the first 10 minutes. And then just yeah. like, just like any other thing, like after 
20 minutes, we were fine. And we were in such conversation that we couldn't even stick to one conversation because we'd get on another tangent. So it's not true that that glass of wine or whatever makes things less awkward. Things get less awkward with time. Mm -hmm. So just even using like your curiosity solution, like I was giving that glass like the job of making me not feel awkward, but like really time was the thing that, you know, that went on after 20 minutes of sitting with them and getting to know them a little bit that made it actually not awkward. It wasn't the wine ever. It's because I think even with the wine, it's not, it's still awkward the first 20 minutes when you meet with somebody, unless you go in there sloshed, right? And you're just totally, you know, drunk when you meet somebody and you're not even thinking straight. But um, so to your that is so true. But um, yeah, is there anything that we haven't really covered? I know like triggers you kind of have talked about on the podcast and how to kind of recognize those triggers. Um, yeah, yeah. And I mean, summer is hard, right? Like, so if this airs in summer, it's hard because there are so many different types of, of triggers and they have to do with like, you know, the day, the sunshine, being exposed to it, whether or not you're stressed or not. Again, it kind of, it all ties back to like why you were drinking again in the first place. Um, but just to, again, like be, get really curious and like aware of, of, of these things. Um, and I always say, you know, like you don't have to say the words forever. Like this is, I think a, a good one and a big one is that Um, when you start off, like take it as an experiment, like have an experimental mindset. You don't have to say forever. Therefore, you don't have to future trip about like that wedding or that upcoming vacation or that party. You know, even if it's a few weeks away, you don't know, you do not know how you're going to feel without alcohol. So it's just a matter of like giving it a try. Um, And so you don't have to say like, I'm never drinking again you know, if you don't want to, you can just say, I'm trying it without it and seeing how I feel. Um, because that is the number one thing that I get in the first few weeks of working with clients is like, I, I don't think this is going to be forever for me. I just want to, you know, I just, I feel like I need a break. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, who said we had to use the word forever? I didn't. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then just as you feel better, like you get to decide every day how you want to feel and what is highest and what is best for you. You get to decide those things. You have choice. Um, God gave us choice, you know? And so um, this is not something you have to do. This is something you get to do. Um, Just those like little, little teeny tiny reframes have been so powerful for me. Yeah. I think a lot of us think, oh, we're not going to be fun anymore. And this won't be fun anymore. Um, Do you ever tell like your clients, like, like, what do you say when they, when they think that, like, maybe people won't like me anymore because my alcohol gave me my personality or whatever. Yeah. I mean, so there's two things there, right? There's firstly, like the other people thing. And, um, with that, like when I was making that list in the shower, like I will say now on the other side of it, like over three years into like, into not drinking, the other people thing has been the biggest blessing because it's brought me who my true friends are and yeah. it has opened up the doors to meeting other new people. And so God just like works in incredible ways in that department. And so again, just like be open, be open and, and, and don't let like other people get you down because it, a, it gets easier 
and B, it could wind up really surprising you of like what friendships do. You know, one of the girls on that list that I was like, oh, we might not hang out anymore, ended up stopping drinking and we're closer than we've ever been. You know, you just don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So um, I always like to ask um, all my guests this, if they forget everything that we said today and everything that we talked about, what is one thing that you would want them to take away from this conversation that they never forget? Yeah, just um, just how is, you know, how is alcohol really making you feel? And if there's any inkling of a, of a of a niggle from the Holy Spirit that it might not be doing all the things you're drinking it for, just try a period of time without it and see how you feel and get curious, treat yourself with grace and compassion and just be open to the idea that maybe like life without it is could be incredible and better. Yeah. That's so awesome. So where can they find you? Uh, and I'll put all this in the show notes, but let them know where they can find you everywhere. Thanks. So yeah, so um, my website is just lovelifesober.com and I'm on Instagram at lovelifesoberwithchristy, C-H-R-E-S-T-Y. Um, and I've got lots of free resources on my website. I have a um, how to beat like the five o'clock wine craving, like 20 minute coaching video that's free. And, and I have lots of different options of like how to, how to kind of start this journey. So, and I'm happy to work with you kind of one-on-one or I've got groups. So there's lots of different options too. Awesome. And then remind them of the podcast name one more time. Yeah. So the podcast is, um, but Jesus drank wine and other stories that kept us stuck. Awesome. Well, I am so glad that we had this conversation because I know just personally, after taking this break the last few months, I'm like, alcohol really never has done anything good for me other than that 20 minutes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I know that like other moms that listen to this that might get curious, I just know that they might get to the same place. And what an amazing, like what amazing work you do that women hear your message they change their lifestyle and they're they just have a better relationship in their marriage their with their kids and then they become like literally who god made them to be because you are spreading the message that like you don't have to rely on alcohol like we're supposed to be fully dependent on god right yeah yeah alcohol like such an idol and we don't even realize it because it's what the world tells us to yeah so, so good. Yeah, I'm just so grateful that you do what you do. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks, babe. It's all God. I mean, I would never in a million years th- think that this is what I would be doing, right? When I was most the most stuck. Yeah. And when I came when I came across like Second Corinthians twelve nine, you know, his power is made perfect in our weakness. I was like, Oh <laughs> Yeah. Literally Okay. <laughs> no, that is my life verse. Like that's my favorite verse in the whole in the whole Bible. Yeah, me too. <laughs> It was my Instagram. It was like on my Instagram for years as my in my bio. I love that verse because it's so true. It is so yeah. literally. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, of course. And then would you just close us in prayer? Of course, um, dear Jesus, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for connecting Jill and I and bringing us together and allowing the space and time for us to have this conversation, Lord. I just pray that it blesses the women out there that need to hear this today and that you would just help them feel that you and your Holy Spirit are with them and they are not alone. 
and that if they're feeling stuck, that um, they have other Christian women that have that are walking this road and path and would love to support them, Lord. And I just, again, thank you for this this time and your word and your truth um, that shows us that we don't need to rely on anything um, but you and your your son and your spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Christy. I'm so glad you were on. So go find her, guys. She's awesome. And I put all of it in the show notes. And if you need anything, message me and I'd love to, um, you know, lead you guys in, to her direction or answer any questions about my own journey. Looking to give your child a well-rounded education while ensuring positive socialization opportunities and their ability to succeed in life? Consider joining Classical Conversations community and homeschooling alongside local families. Led by a trained licensed director, families learn through Classical Conversations proven Christ-centered curriculum together in a community. With locations in all 50 states and over 50 countries, there is bound to be a community near you. To find your community today, visit classicalconversations.com forward slash faithful. Thank you so much for listening to the Faithful Mama podcast, a place where we fill up on Jesus so we can pour into others. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to head over to the ratings and review section. And if this is something that you know will touch another mama's heart, please share it with her. And as always, stay faithful.